Hello, listeners. Welcome to Crimatorium. I'm your host, Madeline. You can find Crimatorium on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Crimatorium also has a website where you can see episode photos and make case suggestions. If you like the show, please consider giving it a five-star rating and review on Apple or iTunes. There are also ways to support Crimatorium through PayPal or Patreon. All links are in the show notes. Welcome to True Crime Stories with Crimatorium. This episode contains a disturbing crime committed against a child. Discretion is advised. Emily Ward and her ex-husband, Mitch Ford, were fighting over custody of their three-year-old daughter, Grace Lillian Ford. In the meantime, Grace was living with her father and his fiance in Plano, Texas. Child Protective Services had been called numerous times about bruises found on Grace, and she had also been taken to the hospital due to a Benadryl overdose. Protective services didn't take any action, as Mitch and his fiance were able to explain away her injuries. Emily and her father, Doug, were gravely concerned about Grace, so much so that they wrote a letter to CPS that said, "'Something bad is going to happen to Grace,' if you don't get her away from these people. This is Grace Lillian Ford's story. Grace, called Gracie by her family, loved Mickey Mouse, animal crackers, and singing. She had big cheeks that were accentuated by her irresistible smile. Pink was her favorite color. Grace's parents, Emily Ward and Mitch Ford, met during their senior year in high school in 2001 and began dating. They continued dating throughout Mitch's stint in the Army and his eventual deployment to Iraq in 2005. The couple married shortly before he was deployed overseas again in 2009. The marriage became rocky after he returned, presumably due to Emily's addiction to alcohol and drugs. The couple divorced, but Emily discovered she was pregnant with Mitch's child, so they briefly remarried for insurance purposes. Grace Lillian Ford was born on February 24, 2011 in Plano, Texas. Though the circumstances are unclear, Mitch got custody of Grace in 2013. Mitch met Melinda Munoz in September of 2012 at a Mercedes-Benz dealership they both worked for, and she moved in with him on January of 2013, just shortly before Mitch gained custody of Grace. After Grace moved in, it was decided that Munoz would become her full-time caretaker. Grace loved and trusted her, so in March of 2013, Munoz quit her job to take care of Grace full-time. 
On Melinda's Instagram are pictures of the two posing together, one showing Grace sitting on her lap, cheek to cheek, smiling happily. It has been said that Munoz wanted to be her mommy and live the perfect life, just the three of them together. Grace did indeed love Munoz, so much that she began to call her mom. In July of 2013, Grace's grandfather, Doug, noticed bruises on her face and ear. He notified CPS of this, and when Mitch and Munoz were questioned about it, their explanation was that she tripped and fell on the bed. Doug stated in a later interview that it looked as though someone had grabbed her by the face. CPS concluded that the injuries didn't rise to the level of physical abuse under the law. A few months later, Grace overdosed on adult Benadryl and was taken to the hospital. CPS got involved and weren't able to determine where she was able to obtain the Benadryl. Doug and Emily were desperately trying to get legal custody of Grace by this time. One would think that given the two incidences, the family court system would have moved quickly to move Grace out of that home. In December of that same year, the family reported fingerprints on top of Grace's arms. Doug said Munoz told him that she had grabbed Grace to prevent her from falling on the ice. CPS concluded that the injuries weren't the result of abuse. In this day and age of technology, where are the flags that should have been going up in Grace's file? After this last incident was when Doug wrote the letter to CPS telling them that something was going to happen to Grace. CPS later stated that flags should have indeed been raised by the computer system, but they weren't. Where is the check and balance system? If a technology fails, a process should be in place as a solid backup. That same month, Mitch proposed to Munoz and she accepted. On January 8, 2014, Mitch discovered some nude photos on Melinda's phone while she slept. He discovered that she had been sending them to her personal trainer and that she had been involved with him for a month. The next morning, Mitch confronted Munoz with what he had found on her phone and called off the engagement. He stated in court that the two didn't fight about it. She didn't cry or become angry. He just broke it off with her and went to work at around 11.45 a.m. He also stated that he called and texted her several times throughout the day, but received no answer. He wanted to discuss childcare options with her. He said he became worried because Munoz usually calls or texts back. At 1.30 p.m., Munoz finally called Mitch back, telling him she had just gotten home. Suddenly, he heard the phone drop and heard Munoz cry for help and screaming from Grace. The call was then disconnected. Mitch called 911 and met the police at his house 12 minutes later. Officer Arredondo of the Plano Police Department was the first officer to arrive at the Ford home. Officer Bowie and Waddell arrived shortly thereafter. Since Mitch arrived at the same time as the officers, he opened the electronic gate to the apartment. He also unlocked the door to the apartment. 
Officer Arredondo entered the apartment while the others, including Mitch, stayed outside. Once inside, the officer saw Melinda laying on the floor of the living room. Her pants and underwear were pulled down to her ankles. When he tried to get a response from her, she moved slightly. Upon further inspection, he noticed duct tape around her mouth. Arredondo searched the apartment to see if a perpetrator was still there. Once that was done, he entered Grace's room. Officers Waddle and Bowie entered the apartment and rolled Munoz onto her back and removed the tape. She then began screaming, Get him out of here! Munoz gave the officers a description of a white male with dark hair wearing black boots and gloves. The officers looked around the living room and noted a coffee table was on its side, leaning against the couch. Barstools were knocked over and a glass vase was on the floor, unbroken. Munoz was told she could pull her pants up, which she did, but she remained on the floor while being questioned by the officers. She attempted to sit up, and just as she did, she collapsed back onto the floor as if she had fainted. Officer Bowie observed her eyelids moving as if she were trying to keep them shut. Back in Grace's room, Officer Arredondo found her in her bed, face down, appearing to be unconscious, partially covered with a blanket. She was wearing a t-shirt and nothing from the waist down. It was later noted that she was wearing pants, but they were down to her ankles. Arredondo turned Grace over and noted that her mouth had been taped shut with duct tape. Little Grace was not breathing, nor did she have a pulse. He called to the other officers to assist him in administering CPR on her until the fire department arrived. They observed that her lips were blue, but she was still warm. She was transported to the medical center of Plano. Back at the apartment, Munoz was asked about what had transpired that day. She stated that she went to get a ring resized, and when she came home, she called Mitch. While on the phone with him, a white male entered the apartment and began hitting her in the face and arms. He forced her to the ground, pulled her pants down, and raped her. Sometime during this alleged assault, the assailant continued punching her in the face and put duct tape on her mouth. It was noted by officers that her cheeks were red, but her face didn't look like it had been punched repeatedly. Munoz moaned and tried to express grief, but the officers didn't observe any tears coming from her eyes. She was taken to the police station for questioning, where she repeated the story about going to get her ring resized that day with Grace. She described how she had Grace in her arms when they got back to the apartment and once in, noticed that Mitch had called and texted her. She called Mitch, and it was then that the perpetrator walked into the door, which was locked when the officers arrived, and began attacking her. She stated that she tried to grab Grace, but the man jumped on her and put the tape over her mouth as well as Grace's. Asked if she was sure the perpetrator put the tape on Grace's mouth, her answer was, I'm assuming because I didn't hear her anymore after that. 
This account conflicted with an earlier statement she made to the officers at the apartment, that she was unconscious and didn't know what had happened to Grace. At one point, she said she told Grace to go to her room. She later said that she didn't say anything to Grace. There were many inconsistencies in Munoz's story regarding the tape. The officer's suspicions of her involvement with Grace's death were growing. A warrant was served to search the apartment and Munoz's phone. It came up with several unanswered calls and texts from Mitch, one of which said, I'm very sorry. I realize you're probably busy taking nude photos of yourself to other men. There were also several nude photos of herself in a video doing a striptease dance to music. Two detectives were given the responsibility of searching the couple's apartment. They found two pieces of duct tape, two cable zip ties, one in Grace's bedding and the other in the living room. The detectives also collected two laptops from the apartment. After a forensic examination of the laptops, they found searches for duct tape, kill, Benadryl, suffocate, and staging. They also found two articles. One article was about a man who had killed his three children to get back at his ex-wife and then claimed insanity. Another article was about a teacher who had posted a picture of her students with duct tape over their mouths with the caption, finally found a way to get them to be quiet. Neighbors were questioned and one reported that about 10 minutes before the officers arrived, she heard a thump and what she thought was furniture moving around. Later on that night, Munoz was examined for sexual assault, including vaginal swabs and it was found that there was no trauma in her vaginal area. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Officers were able to determine that Munoz had been to a dollar store that day, something that she didn't mention to them. Sergeant Stan Rohde went to the store and asked the manager for a specific transaction for January 9th. She was able to produce a receipt made at 12.56 p.m. that had the items, duct tape, nylon cable ties, cotton swabs, and kitchen shears on it. He also obtained the surveillance camera from that day and around that time, and it showed Munoz entering the store with Grace putting her in a shopping cart and pushing her around the store. She was shopping for the items she used to kill Grace. When Grace arrived at the medical center, she was in extremely critical condition. She was unresponsive, pale, and not breathing. Her pupils were also dilated. They intubated her and gave her a dose of epinephrine, which started her heart. The doctors noticed tears and bruising and blood in her vaginal area. A decision was made to transport her to Children's Hospital of Dallas. Because Grace's pants were pulled down to her ankles, it was feared that she had been sexually assaulted. A full examination was not completed due to her critical condition. 
Dr. Kristen Reeder did do a cursory examination, however, and determined that sexual assault was inconclusive. The injuries in her vaginal area could have been caused by poor hygiene, potty training, or the insertion of the catheter. Upon further examination of Grace, the doctor found a V-shaped abrasion on her right shoulder. She stated that it was a strange place for a child to have an injury. Ultimately, Grace was diagnosed with a severe hypoxic brain injury caused by lack of oxygen. Further tests indicated that there was no blood flow into her brain and no activity. On January 11th, Grace was declared clinically brain dead. On January 12th, she was removed from life support. Around this time, Mitt met with Munoz at a restaurant, and after having a few drinks together, the two ended up having sex in his car, and Munoz ended up pregnant. On January 27th, the lab results for Munoz's vaginal swabs came back. There was no unidentifiable male DNA or semen present. Munoz was arrested for capital murder by the Plano Police Department on January 28th. Police interviewed her again, and for approximately 45 minutes of the interview, she claimed to have amnesia. Eventually, she asked to speak to a detective alone, Chris Jones. In tears, she admitted to Jones that she wasn't sexually assaulted, nor was there an intruder. She claimed she was doing crafts with the duct tape and ties in the kitchen. She went into Grace's room to check on her and thought she was sleeping. Then she claimed she saw the tape over Grace's mouth. She put some gloves on and pulled it part of the way off, then put it back on because she freaked out. She tried administering CPR by pushing on Grace's back. Realizing that wasn't going to work, she panicked and gathered up the duct tape, the scissors, and the cable ties and threw them in the apartment dumpster. After that, she called Mitch. I should have called 911 instead of him, she said. She also told the detective that she wasn't mad at Mitch for breaking up with her. She just thought he needed time to cool off. And she said of Grace, I love her. I love her so much. Munoz went to trial on January 26, 2015 in front of a jury. She pleaded not guilty. 46 witnesses were called. She was going to take the stand in her own defense, but later changed her mind. Mitch took the stand and described his relationship with Emily, Grace's mother. The defense asked him why he allowed Grace to stay with Munoz after he had broken up with her. His answer was that he wanted Grace to have the same routine. The surveillance tape of Munoz shopping at the dollar store was played as well as searches on the laptop. The defense stated that anyone could have made those searches. They played one of the interviews Munoz had with the detectives where she said she was sorry and she knew she did the wrong thing. When speaking about finding Grace, she said... She was just lying there. She put tape on her mouth. I think she got scared. 
I thought she was asleep. The jury was shown the inconsistencies in her story, and at one point, the officer interviewing her said, You keep playing this game, Mindy, and the entire world is going to see you as an evil monster who killed this little girl. It looks like this was intentional. When she asked to be alone with Detective Chris Jones, the jury heard part of that interview. He tried a more empathetic approach and said, If you didn't intentionally do this, then you accidentally did. I don't want to walk out of this room and tell people you're a cold-blooded killer. People make mistakes all the time. Munoz answered that she didn't know if it was accidental or intentional. Dr. Joni McLean performed the autopsy on Grace and determined the cause of death to be by homicidal violence, including suffocation. The manner of death was homicide. She could not say for a certainty that Grace was sexually assaulted. Officer Busby took the stand and was asked about the zip ties at one point. He believed they were used as baby handcuffs by looping the ties together. Grace's hands were not bound when officers discovered her. He believed the V-shaped abrasion on Grace's back was made by the scissors being held against it by Munoz in an effort to keep her down. He held the belief that Grace was suffocated before the duct tape was placed over her mouth. The prosecution rested its case after Busby's testimony. As stated earlier, Munoz was set to testify, but she later changed her mind. The defense rested without presenting any evidence or calling any witnesses. The jury was dismissed to deliberate after five days of trial. They came back with a guilty verdict 45 minutes later. In an impact statement, Grace's grandmother directed her comments to Munoz saying, You are pure evil. You will never be able to touch a child again. When it was Emily's turn for a statement, she said, Because of you, I will never hear my beautiful daughter sing again. She also said she forgives Munoz. In Mitch's impact statement, he said, I miss Grace every day. And then he faced her and also said, I don't forgive you and I never will. Melissa Munoz received the automatic sentence of life without parole. She now sits in a women's prison in Marlin, Texas. Doug Reeves, Grace's grandfather, stated to reporters after the trial that no one wins here. We get to live without Grace. John Specia, Commissioner of the Department of Family and Protective Services, has expressed his condolences to Grace's family and says changes are underway that could save the lives of other children like Grace. Every loss of a child, any child, is a great tragedy, he said. Munoz gave birth to a baby boy the October prior to her trial. She voluntarily gave up rights to him, and he was handed over to Child Protective Services immediately after birth. Her parents cared for the baby for a short time, and his father, Mitch, now has custody. Melinda's parents visit the child regularly. 
Munoz's attorney states that she hopes to be reunited with her son someday. After Munoz was incarcerated, she signed up on a pen pal site called writeaprisoner.com. Her introduction says, Hi, I'm Melinda. I'm a fun-loving girly girl with a bit of a wild side. I'm into fashion, fitness, and I practice yoga daily. I love to sing. Munya still has a Twitter account where she tweets about her job, what she's having for dinner, and the cars she wants to own. Her last tweet was just about six months before Grace was killed, and it says, Happy Fourth of July! She still has seven followers. In 2018, Munoz filed an appeal for the following reasons. There was insufficient evidence to convict her. The court abused its discretion by allowing certain photographs and videos into evidence. The court didn't allow the jury to consider a lesser-included offense of felony murder and refusing to dismiss a juror based on something she said to her husband. All of the arguments were reviewed and her motion was denied. Several of Grace's organs were donated. Her kidneys were transplanted into a man in his 40s and her liver was transplanted into a child, as was her heart. Emily Ward started the Amazing Grace Project, something she says is like her new baby. It is an advocacy group created to raise awareness that such abuse is happening in the community and to bring forth changes if necessary. Emily says of the group, God showed me that he will give me the people and things to make it happen. I've remained faithful and he's fulfilled that promise. The group has a Facebook page. The link to the page will be in the notes. Emily gave the statement in the page about her loss and the impact it has had in her life. When I lost Gracie, it took a long time for the full impact of the loss to hit me. At first, I was in a foggy cloud of half-belief. But when the raw truth of the finality of loss hit, I felt like I was carrying the weight of a ton of bricks in my heart. I was literally suffocating with grief and I didn't know how to breathe anymore. One hour, one step, one breath at a time, I had to learn how to breathe all over again, even when I didn't feel like it. Losing a child is the hardest, most painful thing I have ever had happen to me, and I have been through some pretty awful things in my life. Oh, how much it hurts to lose a child. I have had to release my pain to God, and he is helping me with the unbearable grief that just makes you feel like you are dying inside. The grief that makes you start crying out of nowhere. God is restoring peace in my life. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Psalms fifty-five twenty-two. Grace Lillian Ford was laid to rest at Ridgeview Memorial Park in Allen, Texas. Rest in peace, sweet girl. If you suspect that a child is being neglected or abused, please contact your local Child Protective Services office or law enforcement agency. If we all do our part and keep an eye out for the children that are in our neighborhoods, 
schools, churches, or family, instances of child abuse can be at the very least reduced. Sadly, I don't think child abuse will ever be eliminated altogether. One last note about this case. Nothing in my research cleared up the question as to why Munoz premeditated this murder of Grace. It is thought that the Benadryl overdose was a previous attempt on Grace's life. That would indicate that she just wanted Grace out of their lives and or she didn't want to be her caretaker any longer. Grace's mother, Emily, stated that she believed it was revenge on Munoz's part against Mitch for breaking up with her. To most of us, deeds like this are unfathomable and we would never be able to figure out how a person could do this to an innocent child. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.